my friends, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Huddle Wisdom Podcast, where we talk about the mental models, frameworks, and concepts to help you and your loved ones to thrive. Today, I'm going to be sharing key ideas to help you navigate um, emotional firestorms, meltdowns, or tantrums. If you're a teacher, a parent, or an adult with a child in their care, I'm sure that you're no stranger to um, to such things. It can be so stressful and alienating, confusing, disorientating. And I hope that the um, the ideas I share in this episode will be helpful to you and encouraging to you. Before I continue, I want to give a shout out to Suze, who was really helpful the other day. Um, I was struggling with the demons of perfectionism, the enemy of the good enough, as I like to say, and your text really, um, really resonated with me. Um, I can't quote it um, word for word very well, or at least I can't remember it word for word. I can't remember the uh, message word for word, but I think it said something along the lines of, um, imperfect, uh, perfectionism is a friend of mine that I don't want either. Um, I connected with that, and it was nice to know that other people could relate. So thanks for that, Suze. That was actually really, um, really helpful. Um, second thing is uh, I'm building a website. I did say that you could go and visit that website, huddlewisdom.com. Um, but I'm sorry to say I haven't uh, quite managed to finish it. It's still being constructed. And um, it's taken a bit longer than I anticipated, but it's coming soon, I promise. And as soon as it's um, uh, ready to be unleashed, I will let you know. Actually, um, I'll say that on the website, uh, I'm going to be uploading, once it's finished, um, a free webinar, video series, and toolkit for managing emotional firestorms. Um, so it's going to be covering a lot more than what I'll be talking about today because um, uh, we only have so much time um, for this episode. So let's go. Let's talk about it. All right. So um, how do we def define an emotional firestorm? Well, I think that what it represents is some friction has taken place between the demands of the environment and the child's capacity or skills uh, to cope with said demands um, has been overwhelmed and it generates frictional forces and if enough friction is generated um, you can cause a firestorm and we've all witnessed the these sorts of uh, firestorms. I'm sure that you can, uh, you can, you can relate. Um, and if if you haven't seen one yet, um, then you haven't been parenting or teaching for long enough. Uh, but depending on the child, you know, they can vary in intensity and uh, duration and frequency. Um, so, what? What approach do we take? How do we approach a firestorm? Uh, 
Well, your approach will depend very much on what phase of the storm um, we're finding ourselves in. So every firestorm has a life cycle. Um, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, it sounds, it's a little bit arbitrary to split them up into different phases because um, it really is um, like a, a, a living, breathing thing, um, like a life cycle, and it has things that feed it, it has things that um, uh, gives it momentum, and there are things that slows the decay of the emotional storm at the tail end of the cycle. Um, what I'm talking about hopefully will have more meaning to you as um, as, as I um, get a, a little bit uh, deeper into this with you. So let's talk a little bit about the middle section first, because that's the easiest to spot. Um, you know, it's the chaos, it's the storm, um, it's the tantrum, the meltdown. Um, you know what that's like. Um, when you're in the middle of the storm cycle, there's really nothing you can do to stop it. Um, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists tell us, um, you know, there are methods to to extinguish the firestorm, uh, but it's really hard. And in most cases, you kind of just have to hunker down, batten down the hatches, and wait for the firestorm to pass. But is that really all we can do? Um, the answer is yes and no. Um, so, Although we can't stop a firestorm from uh, from causing damage, we can limit and contain the firestorm. Um, the 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 the, um, the degree or the magnitude of the firestorm depends on a number of factors, and I'm going to simplify these factors into a few categories. So we want to know what feeds the fire. We want to know what the antecedents of the fire are. Because when the skills or lack of skills of the child meets an antecedent in the environment, or there's been some sort of internal agitator in the child, for example. They might be hungry, they might be sleepy, or they might have some sort of unhelpful thought pattern which they don't have the skills to deal with yet. You know, these are antecedents to the storm. And if we don't deal with those antecedents, um, it can give... Uh, the storm uh, momentum and it can start to build the friction will build and eventually it overwhelms the child's ability to cope and then you have a meltdown the storm the chaos um, so 
In the middle, once we've reached the middle, it's vitally important that we do uh, two things. One is that we try and keep everyone safe. Uh, so what do I mean by that? Well, um, essentially I mean physical safety. Um, so that is paramount. You have to keep the child safe. You have to keep people around the child safe. This is probably the only time when timeout could be appropriate. You'll have to check your school policies if you're a teacher as to um, what you're actually able to do at those times. Timeout is a loaded term uh, because there are significant implications involving quite strong emotional reactions when people hear that term. Traditionally, the idea with timeout is that you take the child away from the environment, which uh, might be pleasurable or enforcing in some way, so that the behavior is extinguished. But in um, in many cases, this can actually aggravate the situation because um, children need to feel connected even if they are um, going through an emotional meltdown or storm. And by separating them from uh, everyone else or the situation, uh, we might run the risk of making them feel invalidated, uh, even more insecure um, and um, out of control. Uh, but, again, if the situation uh, is such that um, you know, safety is compromised, then it's reasonable to employ a form of timeout where the child or people around the child uh, is moved away from the situation. But if you do that, ensure that you try and maintain emotional connection with the child, and that you're doing it uh, for their own safety and the safety of others, not as a form of punishment. The other really important part of um, this phase is that you, as the adult, you have to stay calm. But this is really hard. Um, I know this because I really struggle with this myself, and I've seen others struggle with it too over the years. Um, and I'm sure you have as well. So if we start to recognize our own temperature begin to rise, and we start to become an antecedent or a factor that um, drives the fire, uh, that um, adds fuel to the flame, you know, add frictional forces to the, um, to the system, we need to take ourselves out. Um, it might mean we have to leave the, the space for, for a brief moment, as long as safety allows it. Um, but the other thing that we can do, if you can't um, walk away to, de de -reg uh, to regulate yourself, is to learn how to breathe properly. Um, so there are a lot of resources out there um, that help you to learn um, certain breathing techniques that can uh, regulate your stress levels. But I, I, I do recommend um, the, the sort, sorts of breathing techniques that um, 
the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt um, uh, Hicks and Gracie employs. Um, he calls it, I think there's a method of breathing he, he calls percuss- percussive breathing. Um, Hickson, if you're listening, uh, I hope I, I didn't get that um, wrong. If I did, I'm sorry. Um, but um, my, my own version of um, diaphragmatic breathing goes something like this. So I imagine that there's a balloon in um, the lower parts of my abdomen, and I want to inflate that with, with air that I, um, that I get through my, my nose. So I inhale deeply, um, and the air is then drawn into this balloon in my abdomen. And as the balloon inflates, um, I can feel the edges of the balloon tighten. Um, that's the abdominal wall. Uh, and at the height of the, um, uh, of the breath, I'll hold the, my breath and just be mindful and feel that, um, that tightness in the abdomen, um, holding the air there for a few seconds, and then slowly letting air seep out of my nostrils. Don't breathe out your mouth. Um, uh, there are reasons for that. Um, try and just breathe, sorry, inhale and exhale through your nose. Um, if you can't do that easily, uh, by all means, um, you can exhale with pursed lips through your mouth. But I do recommend exhaling uh, through the nostril. So breathe well and think about safety. So this is what you do in the middle of the storm. And then it might take some time for that storm, that emotional meltdown, um, to pass, uh, to, to decay. Um, if there are still ongoing frictional forces, um, we'll need to address them because um, their presence will slow the decay and prolong the, the firestorm. Um, so how do we know what antecedents, internal agitators, precipitants are at play here. This is crucial. So where do we get that information? Well, uh, not to sound facetious here, but we get that information from the child. Um, sometimes we need to get some um, collateral information from other people who are in the vicinity of the child, but by and large, most of the relevant information we need will be from the child because it's the child that's struggling to deal with the antecedents and it's the child's lack of certain skills that makes it difficult for them to deal with those antecedents. Thus you create friction and then enough friction is generated and you, you get a firestorm. Um, Okay, so how do we get this information from the child? When the firestorm has passed, uh, we don't want to just let it rest. We don't want to let it lie and wait for the next one to arrive. This is our opportunity to engage the child. Sometimes 
it's very hard to engage the child because they might be embarrassed or there might be other factors that present obstacles to you actually talking with the child to get information that you want. So you have to be persistent, consistent, and you kind of have to just keep working at it. The last part of the cycle, the third phase, the ending phase, which by the way isn't actually the ending, as I said before, because it's a life cycle. Um, but I'll just say um, the ending because that helps us to just um, you know imagine the, the cycle um, in, in a linear way, which, um, which is easier to process. So anyway, okay, so the, at the end of the firestorm, that's when we do our debrief. We ask good questions of the child, um, and you can listen to the, um, I think it's the second episode, we talked about how do you ask good questions. Um, but there's nothing fancy about this. Um, do whatever you can to get the information using your own style, but ensuring that you are um, using unconditional positive regard, which is um, a concept popularized by the psychotherapist um, Carl Rogers, uh, which essentially talks about um, accepting what people present uh, at face value and not judging or scolding or looking to change um, to change them as a person. So using unconditional positive regard as you're debriefing with the child and talking with the child, trying to plumb for information, apply unconditional positive regard. Um, whatever the child says, that's good information even though you might not think it is, okay? Um, as long as the child's talking, you're in business. Because over time, you refine um, your understanding of what antecedents um, feed the firestorm. Um, so, in other words, you use your relationship with the child to get the information that you need. It's not going to be a one-off. Sometimes this can take months. Okay, so in some cases, I have a couple cases on on my um, a number of cases of mine that it's taking years. It's taken years to figure out what antecedents cause their emotional firestorms. But the good news is that for most people, it doesn't take years. Doesn't take months. Doesn't always take weeks. Um, it just takes. Um, good questions, unconditional positive regard, and the willingness to help the child figure this out. Okay, so debrief after firestorm, very important. Um, use good questions. The, co the information that you collect will give you clues about the antecedents that you need to address. And that will tell you what sorts of skills the child might need in order to reduce frictional forces when they are presented with said antecedents. Okay, um, there's a lot here to process and to think about, but these are key ideas which I expand upon in the video series, which will be free on the website, um, and it's coming. Um, I promise you, 
and I've got uh, a couple of PDF forms and um, a worksheet to help you construct good questions um, and a, um, a little diagram to show you the life cycle of a firestorm which you can which you can use as a template to then um, uh, to uh, which you can then use uh, as you debrief with the child and as you get more information you can then populate that diagram for your own purposes although I didn't share uh, specific examples because everyone's situation is going to be different I believe that the framework provides a sound starting point for folks to begin figuring out uh, the antecedents to firestorms and identifying or recognizing what sorts of skills a child might need to develop or acquire in order to handle emotional storms better and help you also to assist the child navigate said emotional storms. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. Feel free to share it around. And I look forward to catching up with you again in about a week. So this is me, Devin Tan, a psychiatrist. This was the Huddle Wisdom Podcast. Thanks again for joining us, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.